Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at that uh, in just a moment as we kind of share today. I'm very excited. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name's Mark, and I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. And uh, today's a very special day for us. It's going to be a unique Sunday morning, but it's uh, something I've been excited about all summer. Uh, Back in the second week of June, we started a series called Actors. You heard Elijah mention it and Matt talk about it as well. What this series has been about is looking in the book of Acts at the early history of the church and realizing that God used just everyday people like you and I to help write his story and build his kingdom. And Acts takes off when Jesus ascended to be with the Father, and then he commissioned his disciples to go make disciples of all nations. And they did that. And the stories that we've been able to look at, the lives in the book of Acts, have all been regulated by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that allowed these average people to do extraordinary things is the same power that's available to you and I. Now, you don't have to be a superhero. You just have to trust the Lord, uh, pray for the Spirit to lead you, and then follow when, when they do. Well, today what we decided to do when we wrote this series was uh, we had an opportunity to have Jay Greer, one of our own. Now, Jay told me today that he was born in Oklahoma, and then he spent seven years as a prodigal in the state of Colorado. And then he saw the light and came to Missouri, where he was raised in this church and part of the youth group. Uh, had his call into ministry, went to Ozark Christian College. He's going to fill you in on more on his story. But Jay and Caitlin are in Osaka, Japan, but they're from here. They are actors in this story God's writing. They're, they're taking kingdom building seriously. And so we're very, very excited to have Jay come and for you to get to know him if you don't already know him, and if you do know him, to hear what God's been doing in his life since he was last with us. I've asked uh, Matt, our our missional impact minister, to come out here as well, and and Michael. And so I'm going to ask you to clap for them because you know those guys. But would you help me welcome Jay as he comes and shares what God's doing in his story as he builds the kingdom. Good morning, Jay. Morning, morning. We're excited that you and Caitlin are here. And uh, as Mark said... As we tie a close to this actor series, this is a really cool opportunity for us to get to hear a little bit about what it looks like in your story and even what that means for us. And so uh, just to get us started, uh, let's start with you just sharing a little bit about your calling into a relationship with Jesus and uh, then how that call has expanded uh, as you become a role and your role as an actor in this series. Yeah. So Mark told you a little bit, but I grew up in a, in a Christian family, in a, in a good home, and uh, came to faith uh, at a young age, was baptized when I was eight years old, and then we moved here, southwest Missouri, and then my family, it's actually been 20 years this year, 20 years since we've been um, members at, at um, Christ Church of Orinogo here, and so uh, this, is, this is home in a lot of ways, and uh, grew up going in Web City schools, uh, graduated Web City High School, and then uh, went to Ozark Christian College. And even though we're close, actually moved into the dorms. And that turned out to be a really good thing for me uh, because I moved and started to interact with professors and, and upperclassmen who were much further along in the faith than I was. And that forced me to get an honest look at myself because here were guys that I was, I was doing a lot of life with up close, and they were able to see into my life. 
and I wasn't able to uh, keep up the appearance of a good guy who has it all together and might be a leader in the youth group. And so that was a season that uh, turned into a lot of confession of sin through the Holy Spirit's work, a lot of conviction of sin, a lot of repentance of sin, and just an overall awareness of a sin in my life. And that led to this season of uh, full surrender and uh, what I can, I think, best describe as uh, coming to an adult faith in Jesus. We're coming to truly trust uh, Jesus to lead. And uh, that, that view that you get of your own sin sets you to be impacted by the beauty of God's grace and by the gospel. And arguably one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, turn there if you want to. Uh, the last verse in that chapter, uh, verse 21, says, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, who knew no sin, took on our sin. This, this verse came to really impact me, the truth that's right here, uh, that first semester in college where I came to fully realize that Jesus' beauty, his perfection, his holiness was marred by my filth as he took on my sin, carried it to the cross, and was punished for my sin in my place. And three days later, he rose from the dead, and then he offers me salvation for free as as grace, just through me coming to believe in him. And so when you're impacted by the truth here in verse 21, then you're propelled into mission by the preceding verses. So if you read with me, I'm in verse 17, just before that verse, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we see in these verses... Verse 19, God has this big mission. God's mission is to reconcile the world to himself. And that mission that God has is bigger than us. And it's been around before us. It's been around even before the church. God had this mission of bringing people who rebelled against him by sin. He's bringing them back into a relationship with himself. And he executed that mission in the most unthinkable of ways. He sent his son to become a man, a poor man, take on our sin... And then take that sin to the cross and die for our sins in our place and then rise. No one could have seen that coming. And yet that's the way God reconciled us to himself. But then grace upon grace, God gives us a part in his mission. It says here in verse 18 that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then it also tells us that he gives us a tool for executing that mission. He gives us a tool. It's in verse 19. And that is the message of reconciliation. He entrusts to us the message. And so eight and a half years ago, my wife and I and a team of people, we moved to Japan, and our goal was to take the message of reconciliation to people who had never had an opportunity to hear that message of reconciliation. And we wanted to share with as many people as we possibly could um, so that they could have an opportunity uh, to hear and believe. Uh, I think it's really important for you to know that the mission that we do in Japan is no different than the mission that you're called to here in Missouri. And we didn't start 
sharing that message of reconciliation once we got to Japan. When you cross an international border, you don't magically become an evangelist. This is something that God led us to through the beauty of the gospel, through being impacted by his grace. We then want to tell others about his grace. And so when I'm in high school and uh, on a Wednesday night at Christ Church of Orinogo youth group, uh, I had invited a friend to church and tried to share the message that way, bumbling along, and yet was able to baptize a friend. That was doing the same kind of ministry that we do in Japan. And during my college years, uh, my sophomore year through senior year, for three years, I was a part-time youth minister in Cassville, Missouri. And so I would uh, drive there, drive the hour on uh, Sunday and Wednesday nights, and we'd go and we'd share the message of reconciliation. And a good number of junior high and high school students came to faith. We saw them reconciled to God. And so my point is, we do the same thing here in Missouri and in Japan. We try to share the message. And so if I was to start off by giving you guys a challenge, it's just that. Make sure that the people in your network, your friends, your family members, make sure that they've heard the message Make sure that they've heard the truth that Jesus came and died for our sin, that we've all sinned, that we're in trouble, that there's good news. He died for our sin. He rose, and he offers us salvation by grace. I think you, you might be tempted to say, well, actually, I don't know. I think everyone in southwest Missouri has already heard that message. I think they've heard the gospel. And I say, I don't know about that. Because growing up in the Bible Belt does not necessarily guarantee that someone has heard the gospel message. Uh, walking past or driving past a Christian bookstore or even knowing one or two Christian songs does not guarantee that someone has heard the full gospel. And furthermore, someone seeing our good Christian character is not the same thing as hearing the message. Someone receiving an, a, a random act of kindness, while that's good, it's not the same thing as hearing the message. So I would just challenge you to, to let yourself be an ambassador. Open your mouth and let God make his appeal through you. Be reconciled to God. Come to Jesus. Share that message with people. Amen. We can just pray and be done. You know what I mean? That's good. That's good. It's powerful preaching. He starts preaching, the rain starts flowing. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> yes. So Jay, uh, we're, in, you know, we're, we're talking about the book of Acts and this actor series, and we've looked not at everybody, uh, but also not just at the big names. We've looked at different characters throughout the story who play a role. And I know you love the book of Acts. It's been a while since freshman Acts class, but you still love the book, know the book. What are some of your favorite stories in Acts, and how have you seen those replicated in your own ministry yeah. and in the ministry of your team? Yeah, let me give you two. So I love looking at the life of Paul and chapters 13 through 20 where Paul is going around and he's going to these different cities and he goes to big cities and then he starts sharing the gospel with a lot of people and some, not all, but some who hear come to faith and he takes those people who have come to faith and then he gathers them into a church and he puts elders over those churches and so he's going around, he's a church planner. He's going to cities, sharing, and then establishing congregations that will continue on as witnesses for the gospel. And that's very much what we're trying to do in, in Japan. And so uh, you see Paul also constantly trying to push the borders of Christianity. He's trying to push the boundaries and he even tells the church in Corinth, hey, I was the very first to take the message to you. And we see Paul, he, he's very plain about his desire to do this. In, um, in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, he says... And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. 
He's constantly trying to go out and find people that I've never heard and share the gospel there. And that's what we get to do in Japan. It's, and in fact, in fact, it's the funnest part of the job. We get to go, and with people who have zero gospel foundation, we get to start that foundation. We get to tell them there is a God. <laughs> he loves you. He knows you. You've sinned. No, that's bad. But I got good news. We get to lay that foundation and, and in that way, it looks a lot like what Paul's doing because Japan is, like Paul's world, pre-Christian. In my city, uh, the city of Osaka, there's 19 million people. It's the ninth largest city in the world. Uh, we started a church there five years ago. It'll be five years in, in October, October 30th. The first church that we planted was in the city of Nagoya. It's nine million people. It's about the size of Chicago. Uh, it's six and a half years old right now. And in the city of Osaka, 19 million people, we know that only 1% of those people are Christian. And only 0.2% of the people in that city go to church every Sunday. There's one church for every 16,000 people in Japan. And if you're wondering, okay, how does that compare? In America, there's one church for every 800. So one church for every 16,000. And the average church size in Japan is 35 people. So if you were to try to take that and and, uh, put that same ratio of people to churches, same percentage of Christians, and just drop that onto Joplin, Joplin's 50,000 people. If it was like Japan, that means 500 of those people would be Christians. That that means today worshiping, 0.2%, only 100 would be in church. There would only be three churches in Joplin each with, you know, 30 to 35 people apiece gathering. So if that was the Joplin in which you grew up, would you have heard the gospel? Would you have had a chance? Would you have even known someone who could have invited you to church? And so that's our job, what church planning looks like for us. We're going and we're sharing the gospel with as many people as we possibly can and saying, who's going to believe? We'll gather those people into churches and and see God do his work like that. So I I love reading uh, the life of Paul. Another story that I really like is the story of the nameless actors in Acts 8 and Acts 11. So uh, this story, this is right after... There's, there's been the very first Christian martyr, Stephen, has just been killed. And then Acts 8, verse 1, it says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stay. Everyone else is scattered. They're going everywhere. Everyone else, meaning the non-superstars, the non-apostles, not Peter, not John, the guys who are just, you know, the normal average Joe Christians. They're scattered. Then jump down to verse 8. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It doesn't matter that they didn't graduate from Apostle Bible College or anything else like that. They are going preaching the word. Then just flip over a couple pages, Acts chapter 11, we catch up with these guys again. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Now there were some of them, of, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, that means the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So here we have the average Joe Christians, the non-apostles are scattered to the city of Antioch and they share the gospel and now they have a gathering. They've started a church. 
And if we skip down to verse 26 of Acts 11, it says that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Jump over to chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We learn that this is the church that sent out the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. So the church that sent out the greatest missionary ever, the Apostle Paul, the church that earned the name Christian, one of the most influential churches of its time, the church in Antioch, was started by non-apostles every day, just normal people. And this is disciples making disciples through sharing the gospel. And the disciples making disciples who make disciples. So when I tell you all those stats about Japan and you see the scale, we understand the only way that we're going to see any kind of big change in that country is if we have disciples making disciples disciples, people sharing the good news with their friends. So we're trying to constantly train and encourage our people to go and share the good news. And uh, we've had six and a half years of church planning. We were there before learning the language and culture. Six and a half years of church planning, and now between the two church plants, we've had 89 baptisms in that time. And my favorite baptism story is uh, of a guy named Yuki Yoshida. Now, uh, Yoshida is legally blind and legally deaf. Uh, he, can, he, can, he wears glasses and he can read with a magnifying device and he has some high-powered hearing aids and he was just invited to church uh, by one of our church members who got to know the guy at work and said, hey, would you like to come to church with me? And he said, sure, well, I'll come pick you up. And he just brought him to church one day. Yuki Yoshida's brand new to church and all things Christianity. So after the service, he entered our first steps class. It's like an introduction to Christianity. It's a five-week course, and we just try to take people through the very basics of the faith. We offer it after every single service. And so he shows up, and he goes to that class, and then six weeks later, he's taken the class, and he's come to believe, and he says, I want to be baptized. I want to become a Christian. And so it's, 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 picture this, okay? Yoshida is there in the, the water, in the baptistry, and he's taken off his glasses, but he's left his hearing aids in because he wants to hear the person say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he has him in, and so he's standing there, and then the person says, and a volunteer runs up, and he pops out his hearing aids and hands them to a volunteer. The volunteer runs away, and they dunk him under the water, and they bring him back up, and then our room starts playing the guitar, and we start singing, and we're clapping. Everyone's celebrating and everything. Volunteer runs back up, hands him a towel. He takes the towel. He dries off his ears, hands him uh, the, the hearing aids, and he pops them back in and comes back to us, comes back to this world of sound around him with all his brothers and sisters singing and celebrating. And here's a guy who had no hope of ever being able to see and hear perfectly, who now, because there's a church that's a gospel witness in his city, now he has the hope of resurrection eyes and ears and the new heavens and new earth. And even better than a new body, he has the hope and promise of eternal life with Jesus, his Lord, because there's a church that shares the gospel. Now, that's cool. But I can, t- I can tell you something cooler. Even cooler than that is the guy that you're seeing right there in the bottom right-hand corner baptizing him is a guy named Ryota. Well, the next picture up, that's Ryota being baptized just five months previous. Ryota 
was baptized, and then five months later, he's leading another guy to faith. Now, that's cool, but even cooler than that, Dyota was not led to faith, was not led to baptism by me. He was led to baptism by his small group leader, Yuki Hamasaki. Now, Yuki Hamasaki was actually reached by missionaries. So missionaries reached Hamasaki, us missionaries shared the gospel with him, and then we equipped him to go share the gospel with others. Hamasaki uh, discipled Ryota, and Ryota brought Yoshida to faith. So Yuki Yoshida is a third-generation conversion. That's what we call that. We've had two uh, third-generation conversions. We hope to see more. We love to see a fourth generation tagged on to that, but that's disciples making disciples. And these people in Acts 11, we don't know their names. We don't know anything about them except that they went around normal people sharing the gospel with normal people. Love it. So you, you know, like all churches everywhere, here, there, and other places, you, you tell people about Jesus, you teach them to follow him, you teach people to follow the Holy Spirit, all these things. What are some of the unique things about doing that in a Japanese context? One of the biggest... Uh, challenges and hurdles uh, to the gospel in Japan is uh, that people feel they have to leave their national and familial identity to become a Christian. So what I mean is this, that they're told their whole life, hey, if you're a part of this family, uh, we're Buddhist. We're a Buddhist family. Our, our family grave, it's a Buddhist grave. If you're Japanese, that means you're not a Christian, you're Buddhist. And so they often feel that in order to become a Christian, they have to cease being Japanese. And so that, that, that creates a huge hurdle for people. And often we have to try to explain to them, you know, the, the God that we worship is not, he's not a Western God, not European. It's, this, is, this is a God who's the God of the whole world, okay? He's the creator of all there is. Um, and that includes Japan. And often the people that are most open are people who see themselves less as Japanese citizens and more and more see themselves as global citizens. So people who are interested in uh, international studies or have traveled abroad, uh, people who are interested in English or American culture. So we're constantly using the fact that we're Americans who speak English uh, to reach out to that segment of the city that is most open. Uh, I see Paul doing something I think is pretty similar in Acts 17. He does this many places. But Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, Everywhere he goes, where's the first place that he goes in this new city? Read in Acts 17, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So here we have the apostle to the Gentiles. He's trying to reach Greeks. And the first place that he shows up in these Greek cities, he goes straight to the Jewish synagogue. Why are you doing that? If you're, if you're trying to reach the non-Jews, why are you going straight to the synagogue? Because he knows in this Greek city, the group of people that are most open and most receptive to the gospel are in the synagogues. Because they've been reading their Old Testaments and they're anticipating a Christ. They're anticipating the Messiah. And so it says right here that he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And he says, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He's the Christ you've been reading about in your Bible. He's the guy. 
Now they've been waiting for him. Now they just know who his name. They, they, now they just know what his name is. And so that's what Paul is doing. He's finding the people in those cities that are most receptive to the gospel, and he's going and, and he's trying to share with them. And we try to do the same thing in our cities by finding those that are that are internationally minded. Jay, it's a privilege for us as a church to partner with you, uh, to be inspired by you this morning as you share with us what God's done in your life, what he's doing all throughout Japan. Uh, if you were going to invite us deeper into that journey with you and that mm-hmm. story, uh, perhaps it'd be helpful for you to lay out for us some of the challenges you currently face in building the kingdom there in Japan and even in partnering with those that God desires to redeem. Yeah. There's some uh, challenges, and I'd love to receive your prayer for these challenges. Um, right now is a really exciting time for us. Uh, we've been there for a while, and yet we feel we're, uh, we're at a turning point. Um, for a long time, it's just been two church plants. We've just sent out a third church planting team to the city of Kobe, and they're kind of in a pre-launch phase. So they're having monthly preview services, and they'll start regular every week uh, worship services in the near future. On July 31st, they had one of their monthly services. And so between the three church plants, we had uh, over 300 people gathered together celebrating Jesus on that day. And we hope to see that to continue to grow. But as we're looking at that third church plant, we're looking at this transition from a couple church plants to becoming a church planting network in Japan. And Lord willing, a church planting movement in Japan. And what we need for that is we need leaders. We need people who will go and plant churches. And we also need funding. So those are two things to pray about. Pray for leaders. We need elders. We need Christian leaders that are trained and ready to go do ministry. And so right now, uh, this morning, I have two of the people that were training for ministry with me here, uh, Yuma and Sally. They both became Christians at the church. Then they met at the church and they were just married at the church two months ago. And Sally is our kids' director, and Yuma is going to be preaching in a couple weeks. And uh, uh, he also does some hospitality work for us. And they're here kind of on an observation trip, just looking at church and looking at the way that uh, Christ Church of Orinogo does children's ministry over there. And so they're coming in and trying to learn. We're trying to train them, but we're also trying to train uh, other people in the church in the area. So we currently have a once-a-month gathering where we're training urban church planters where we have this guy who works for an organization called City to City. His name is Gary Watanabe, and he comes down from uh, Tokyo once a month. He gives us a bunch of pre-reading homework, and he then comes and lectures on urban church planting. So we have 16 people taking this course, uh, learning to be church planters. About eight of them are from our three church plants, and the other eight are from other churches or church plants or people preparing to plant churches. And to have 16 people is pretty significant because that's larger than uh, some of the largest seminaries graduating classes. So it's a pretty significant thing. All of those training initiatives are going to cost us over $6,000. We have some money that we have to continue to raise uh, to finish off the one-time needs of planting the church in Osaka. That's uh, over $27,000. And by July 1st of 2017, that church plant in Osaka will be paying for its own operations costs. It means the the offering has steadily increased. We're not just handing them the gospel. We're also calling them to a mission, and they're responding in their finances in that way. And so as that young church continues to to grow in giving, we hope to see them uh, supporting the operations of that church by next year. Uh, This church has helped launch it as that church has been 
in its infancy. And this church continues to support the church's pastor, me. And so we're really, really thankful for the way that you guys have made that investment. So pray for funding, pray for leaders, and also uh, pray for the church. Uh, Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ in Japan. Uh, Pray for them as they are facing spiritual attack are facing uh, social pressure and pressure from their family to drift away from Jesus. Pray that they'll abide in Christ. Pray that they'll stay on mission. Pray that they'll just continue to grow in joy in Jesus. Church, I hope this morning this has been an encouragement for us to hear a real-life, modern-day testimony of the same exact thing that God was doing in the book of Acts that throughout this actor series, it's been apostles and it has been ordinary people gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit to advance the gospel, to change people's lives. And so what Jay and the team in Osaka are doing is the same thing that we are called to. And so uh, as we kind of wrap our time up, we maybe need to circle back to where Jay started us out in this challenge of this ministry of reconciliation, that we understand what it means to receive it But throughout this actor series, the challenge has been, what do we do with that? What do we, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, do to respond so that not only those in Japan know the hope of the gospel, but our family members and our neighbors and those that we come into contact with? And so uh, even in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to sing and to worship and to thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit and the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do and, and my prayer for us, and I hope it's your prayer for yourself, is that in those moments as we sing those words, that we would ask God, what is it that you want us to do? For some, maybe that means it's time to jump on a plane and move to Japan. Uh, but I'm certain that because of the DNA of who we are as believers, it means for all of us that we are sent out those doors to those we come in contact with to demonstrate the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And so that's our challenge. Uh, it's Jay's challenge, and it's what we do together as the church. And so uh, this morning, Jay's invited us about three specific ways that we can pray. And so I want to invite us all to stand, uh, and Michael's going to voice a prayer for Jay and the church in Osaka. Father God, it's so good to be a part of a family that's so much bigger than any of us, part of a mission that is so much larger than anything we could ever accomplish or even dream of accomplishing. And we thank you that we are so not the point that you are. And so we ask for more of the power of the Holy Spirit from top to bottom in the ministry of Mustard Seed. Uh, We thank you so much for the opportunity to partner with them. We pray that you fill them with resources, financial resources, funding. We're so grateful for the many sacrifices people in this church have made to contribute to the ministry there. And we pray for more of the same. Uh, We pray for the leaders that are going to be, that are currently in training and those that, uh, that haven't even begun yet. Maybe those that Jay and the team haven't even identified so we pray for the, for the start of that process that you would help them to discern those that you have called and plan on setting apart for specific tasks and help them to equip all who are there and who are coming to be part in whatever ways part of what you're doing and, and that they would discern the ways in which to lead and guide those who are ready to take that next step. And so we pray for discernment on the part of Jay and his team. We pray for courage on the part of those who are being called and that they would move forward in faithfulness. And we pray specifically for the new church in Kobe and the opportunity there for people who, most of whom have not ever even heard uh, the good news of grace, of Jesus. And we pray that they would, um, they would find those folks that Jay's talking about that are able to uh, be interested from the start, maybe serve as a little bit of a gateway and open up opportunities to reach even more people. So we're just filled with gratitude 
filled with um, or humbled, I guess, God, by the, by the scope of your mission, but we are encouraged by the power that's present mm-hmm. in each of us. And so fill Jay and Caitlin and their family and their team with power and with, uh, with goodness and with grace and with love and help them to continue serving in Jesus' name. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.